0: I'm Alex Milleris, and I'm and we're gonna start with something you just brought to my attention that I'm kind of surprised isn't bigger news. I don't know, maybe not actually. I guess people are kind of fed up of hearing Drew Doughty talk because he rarely says anything that's incredibly intelligent, and also the playoffs are coming up, so people have more important things to discuss. But there was a piece written uh, apparently by Josh Goldsmith on the Score today about Drew Doughty and now he won't be happy if the kings don't make big moves in the offseason. So you were just kind of getting me up to speed on this. Some very strange quotes that seem to reveal Drew Doughty doesn't really understand the direction of the LA Kings at all. So why don't you take the lead here?
1: Yeah. Uh what this reveals is that he's uh it seems that Drew Doughty is pretty delusional as to uh the level of talent on this team and where the direction of the team is uh and their uh potential championship window. So yeah. So here's the quote, the big quote. <laughs> so he ta- he's basically He's talking about how him uh, and the b- bunch of old men on the Kings. So like him, Kopitar, Quick, and Dustin Brown. And they're all like, oh, you know, we're all getting older. And he's talking about, you know, you've got two of the best players at their position both ways. And with all this cap room, yeah, we've got to bring in guys. we got to bring guys in. That's it. And here's it. Here it is. There's no point in just waiting for these prospects to develop when you've got guys in their prime. Hungry to win and sick of losing, and so Drew Dowdy somehow, through some whack-ass mental gymnastics, has managed to convince himself that, uh, you know, these players ranging from like 31 to like fucking 36 years old, and he even they fucking Jonathan Quick, who's not even their starting goaltender, who I'm pretty sure is save was sub 900, into uh, you know, people players with phenomenal seasons, and he believes that the Kings should just say, "Fuck it, fuck this rebuild." We're going all and we're going, we're going win now after the complete atrocity of a season that they had, which, you know, was planned. It's part of the rebuild, but, uh, it seems D- Drew Doughty is, has still, uh, not bought in at all into this rebuild. If he thinks that, uh, yeah, next year, watch out guys. It's a win now year for the Kings.
0: Yeah. Watch out. Stan- Stanley cup contender once again. So yeah, Drew Dowdy's obviously still living in 2016, uh, which, to be fair, we can expect a lot of NHL players to be about five years behind in terms of, you know, just look at all those player polls every year that still consistently rank Kerry Price as, like, the number one goalie, or at least very, very close to the top uh, when he's probably about average. Um, but my very first reaction when he told me this was, oh, Drew Doughty wants the LA Kings to make big moves. You know what big move they should make? Trade Drew Doughty. Is that going to satisfy him? I mean, probably not. But honestly, I think this should probably be a much bigger story and not just because oh let's point and laugh at drew dowdy and how little he understands but like how wouldn't that be you know kind of insulting as like if you're the, the gm of the la kings you're going through this rebuild and by all accounts it's going great you know you got this uh great cupboard of high-end talent high-end young talent a lot of great prospects and you're definitely going to be trending upwards the next couple of years and then you have one of your core players, you know, one of the faces of the franchise coming out and basically saying that the GM is doing it all wrong uh, and that, you know, you got to win while I'm still in my prime because I'm Drew Doughty and I'm the most important one here. It's kind of like, Drew, chill out, all right? We're, we're, we're a team here. Like, this seems like not just idiotic on Drew Doughty's part, but also kind of immature.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, to go out and, cut, yeah, it's just this guy seems to be uh, quite you know, self-absorbed and uh, perhaps a touch narcissistic, to say the least. I mean, uh, yeah, to go out here and call out your own damn general manager, telling him to, like, throw his damn five-year plan out the window like this. uh, You know, it is, uh, yeah, it's it's not good optics. It's not a very smart move. And if I'm Rob Blake, uh, if I can find a taker, especially after, you know, can't I Drew Doughty had a solid season this year. Definitely a resurgence uh, compared to the last couple of years where he's been complete dog shit. Um, he wasn't that this year, and so if I can find a taker for Drew Doughty, hell, if I can find a taker for any of these four dudes who uh, are quote unquote in their prime, um, I would I would just send them on the first plane out of L.A. I mean, maybe Kopitar hold on had to a great Kopitar. Season.
0: What's that? I said maybe hold on to Kopitar. He's st- he's still very maybe. good and ha- and appears to not be against the rebuild.
1: Sure. Fair enough. But, like, then again, neither none of these guys will have their, uh, you know... Well, probably n- none of these guys will be uh, any sort of meaningful contributors when the Kings finally do hit their window and, you know, start to actually trend toward the playoffs. And so, well, you know what? I would trade Kilpatar. Why the fuck not? His value is sky high right now after he had a fantastic season. Yeah, any of these guys who had, like, a nice little season and they're veterans. Like, you know, send them to off to somewhere. They are, you know, like, retain 50%, do whatever the hell you need to do. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, why the hell not? These guys aren't going to serve you any purpose when, you know, Byfield and Kaliev and all those dudes come into their prime. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's what I think. I mean, like, I would just ship as many guys as I can, get as many assets as you can. This is still a rebuild. You're still very much in the rebuild. It's still maybe like two, three, four years away uh, for any of these guys starting to hit their window. And so, uh, yeah, even Kopitar. I mean, why the hell not? Why not sell high? Uh, what do you expect to hold on to him until he retires? Uh, and by that point, you know, like he isn't doing much when the team actually is good. Um, yeah, Bamra Blake, get these guys out of here, especially the clowns who openly like rebuff the rebuild in the press. It's uh, it's a bit stupid.
0: How's this for a segue? Kopitar plus for Jack Eichel, make it happen. There we go you know, rebuild, getting younger talent. I mean, obviously that will not happen. And I was just kind of using that as a cheap segue over to the Buffalo Sabres stuff. Uh, but LA is reportedly in on Jack Eichel. So of course, just, just to remind people, earlier this week, Jack Eichel kind of had a, a, I don't think it was an end of season press conference as much as like just a media availability. And someone asked him about the herniated disc in his neck that's had him, you know, miss the last two months of the season. And everyone knows by now, He wants to get the surgery. The Buffalo Sabres are are saying, or I don't know, advising him against it as much as forcing him not to because, as Jack Eichel said, the team holds a lot of cards when, you know, any medical decision that you make uh, impacts your ability to do your job potentially and uh, you're under contract with them. So you're like, eh, no, maybe just try to, like, rehab it instead of doing the surgery. And for uh, a relationship between player and team that was already, you know, pretty 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 much broken it's now officially broken i think we can say and the odds of jack eichel starting next season with the buffalo savers have gone even further down than they were before plus also sam Reinhart, pretty much the only ray of sh- sunshine that that team saw all year he exceeded expectations when no one else on the team did had like 25 goals in the shortened season and understandably he's also you know absolutely fed up with the the total and utter dysfunction with no light at the end of the tunnel. and tunnel well, in Buffalo and Reinhardt might actually have a little bit more uh more leverage than Eichel because he's an RFA so there's kind of a clearer path for him to potentially demand a trade and potentially just sit out if he doesn't have a contract or a trade heading into next season
1: yeah and so yeah here we go yeah another piece of evidence uh it's our bi-weekly segment of the Sabers freaking stink um and they're a completely moribund franchise who can't seem to get anything right and this just keeps going on. I mean, look, we've reached a, a new level of uh, Eichel's getting out of here. Uh, it's one thing where you you know you have like reports and all that, but this one's he's outright talking to the press about it, about how you know he's kind he's pissed at them. He spits at them out for how they handled his injury, uh, and and you know how he was basically injured the entire season because I think he had a rib injury at the beginning, of the, like in like training camp, uh, and he's he's kind of like he played with that the entire season. And so you know it seems like the Buffalo Sabers have no sort of direction whatsoever, you know, playing their superstar center uh, while he's injured, despite the fact that they uh, fucking suck. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... Do they think they're in a rebuild? I don't know. Maybe they're not convinced they're in a rebuild because all indications point to, you know, like if you have your your young center and you're fully in a rebuild year and he gets injured at the beginning of the year, I don't understand why you don't, you know, shut him down immediately. Uh, It seems that the Sabres, like, seem to want to win, but the roster is so fucking bad that obviously they can't. Uh, and yeah, any ray of sunshine, as you put it, um, got what to get the hell out of here. I mean, Taylor Hall, who was hardly a ray of sunshine in Buffalo. Uh, he got the hell out of there. I wants to get the hell out of here. And now Reinhardt, you know, it's like, is there any, so is there any sort of redeeming quality to this roster right now? No, the answer is no. Everybody stinks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there really is no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no way out that I see for the Sabres that puts them in any sort of relevance within the next like five years. Uh, they need a hardcore uh, reset on everything. And that sucks for the fans because it's always a hard they You always need a hardcore reset with the Sabres. It seems like every three years. <laughs> um, and yeah, here we are. It's like, you know, it's like exactly where you were at before Eichel, except it seems that everybody's a bit sadder. Um, you know, I'm talking about before Eichel, you know, they, they you know, quote unquote, won that lottery. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it just like it looks like, you know, it's a, it's a miserable fucking franchise. It's the worst in the league, I think. And, uh, well, up there, top two, them and the Coyotes. And, uh, you know, they're just duking it back and forth. And here we go. Uh, another point for the Sabres. Because, uh, yeah, there really is no freaking redeeming quality about this whole damn franchise. Everybody stinks. Uh, and the and their, their team stinks. And here we are. Yet another point. There definitely
0: is a lot of competition these days for worst franchise in the NHL. No shortage of bad franchises. Uh, but speaking of Michael obviously, you know, trade talks, especially among... Fans actually probably exclusively among fans has has dialed up this le- this week. It's kind of hit a new gear. The the Rangers up here to still be the number one most likely landing spot. I think there might be even a couple pieces where like some uh, executives around the league are like, yeah, New York would probably be my guess. But the one of the main things a lot of people are talking about is how could they possibly make the cap work? Eichel's ten million dollars. That's so hard to trade. And I look at look at the Rangers roster. I'm like, mm, not really. Like I know they don't have much cap room. And they do have a lot of key pieces that are going to need some pretty expensive extensions at one point or another, like Adam Fox, Lafreniere, Kako. It will be difficult, especially if you add Eichel to the mix to keep everyone around. But just for the immediate future, if you send back like Jacob Truba and retain a bit and Ryan Strom and retain a bit, and obviously those won't be like the key parts of the deal. You'll be adding in, you know, plenty more high value picks and prospects. But like that pretty much takes care of any of the cap concerns.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think you talk about tight cap across the league. I think when you talk about a player with the caliber of Eichel, I mean, like, a lot of these teams, if you really wanted Eichel, you could make the cap work. You know, at least that's what I think. I mean, uh, you just have to give up enough things, right? If you're giving up cap thumps, you just add shit to the pile of, of stuff that you're sending over to Buffalo. Um, and so, you know, teams like I don't even think- the Rangers. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I was just say, I don't even think it would necessarily even be cap dumps. Like if part of the return is just, here are some good NHL players. They're going to have cap hits with them. And like Chuba and Strom, they don't suck. They're, they're valuable contributors. And I mean, Chuba is, you know, maybe somewhat overpaid, but you retain a bit on him. All of a sudden you're just, you know, two good players making pretty much fair value. And the cap is balanced out. I don't think it has to be like, oh, here's all our bad money sort of situation.
1: I know, but I'm saying like worst case scenario for a lot of these teams, if the, you know, like that do have a bunch of dead cap or like, you know, dead cap is in like a bunch of losers that are overpaid. Um, you know, you can make it work. You just need to add stuff. And like, you know, for a guy like Eichel, you know, it's interesting because now this whole injury angle adds a little uh, uh, some question marks because you don't know uh, how the neck is going to recover. And, you know, a neck injury is pretty serious, uh, you know, a herniated disc and all that. So uh, that's interesting. And you, you might think that, you know, the Sabres, I don't think, wanted all this to come out. Uh, with Eichel in the press conference. I think this definitely drives down his trade value, at least somewhat. Um, but I think, you know, if you really wanted to get it done, if even if you're in the worst of cap situations, like to go and get a guy of the caliber of Eichel, uh, you know, bona fide franchise, number one center. I mean, you can make this, you can make, you can absolutely make the cap work. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's not like the NFL where there's like these, there's this whole dead cap scary. No, these are actual players, right? Under contract. Uh, and so, you know, no matter how much they suck, you could just trade the player away if they don't have a no move, and so you know you just you just you just need to make the assets work, the value work. Um, but like you know, no one's no one. There's like there's no team that's like you know mathematically impossible for them to make the cap work. You just need to throw some cap dumps at at the worst, or or just in your scenario, uh, you know you throw actual good players at them. Um, but either way, like uh, yeah, a lot of these people like, you know all these you know these these things like you know when you're talking about potential trade partners and like oh they could never make the cap work. Like what I think is. No, with any of these teams, of course you can make the cap work, especially for a guy like Jack Eichel. Um, And, you know, you just need to just freaking move the right pieces because there are players behind those cap numbers. And so, yeah, that's my piece. Um, I think he could, you know, if if a team is really that interested, I think he could go anywhere uh, in terms of, you know, I don't think there's really anybody that's like, out,
0: out. Yeah. Um, How about Montreal, Jack Eichel? I think it's a perfect fit. Yes, Barry Kakanyemi plus Romanov. Plus, a first-round pick. Plus, uh, Shea Weber and Arturio in to balance out the cap. Who says no?
1: Not me. Why the hell not? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's that good. All right. Um, just said the whole team. Why not? Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so I guess we can transition to the Rangers now, uh, since you were just talking about them and how they could trade for Aikon. Sure. Well, uh, it's, they're, they're, it seems that they're completely clearing house, and they fire their coach, uh, David Quinn, which, uh, you know what? Well, I think it was uh, inevitable at this point. If he, Even if he did stay for another season, he was going to be fired the next season because, uh, you know, new management and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting that he was fired third uh, between, like, him, Davidson, and uh, whatever. The, I, I don't remember the general manager's name anymore. Um, but that uh, guy. Jeff Gordon. Um, right, Jeff Gordon. Like, uh, I thought that was interesting. Usually the coach is the first guy to go. But, uh, I mean, he's out now. And so, oh, I heard they, uh, they interviewed Gerard Gallant. So, that's a nice fit. Uh, He's probably one of the better coaches available on the market. But uh, yeah, it seemed like pretty inevitable there. David Quinn was uh, on his way out, especially since uh, Dolan was so uh, unhappy with what happened this season.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure who else they interviewed or are planning on interviewing. I think Claude Julien would be a really good fit with the Rangers. I mean, first of all, they are a playoff caliber team. I would say this season they played like it. Um, they had, I think I mentioned last week, an incredibly high goal differential for a team that didn't make the playoffs. And I think they even, along with Dallas, finished higher than Montreal in the standings. Uh, So that does say a little something about the Canadians. Uh, But yeah, the the Rangers definitely don't suck. Their downfall um, was mostly early on in the season. And to be fair, a lot of it was rectified just by waving Jack Johnson and and, uh, sending Tony D'Angelo home, was that they were pretty bad defensively and Claude Julien has a a track record of his teams always including Montreal including this season in Montreal when he was still coaching the team of being among the strongest five-on-five teams in the NHL and I think well that could help any team but I think especially New York and one thing some people might point to is oh you know he's kind of you know uh you know he might be more hesitant to play some young players and that could potentially turn into a problem especially in New York a team that has so much young talent like Lafreniere, Capo Caco, uh, and probably has more coming up in the pipeline. Um, first of all, there's no way he's gonna be worse than David Quinn, who regularly put like Vitali Kravtsov on the fourth line with like Kevin Rooney and Philip DiGiuseppe Giuseppe or whatever. Um also, every coach does that to a certain extent, and I don't think Claude Julien's one of the one of the worst at at it. Like for example, Nick Suzuki. Uh, Claude Julien, even in the playoffs last year, especially in the bubble, in the playoffs last year, uh, he leaned on Nick Suzuki a lot. I think Suzuki led Habs forwards in ice time on, on multiple occasions in the playoffs. So Claude Julien is not the first coach that comes to mind when I think of ones that may have like a, a 23 and under bias.
1: Right, yeah. And so, like, yeah, overall, I think, you know, for the Rangers, it's time to, you know, hire a big name. I mean, you hired a a smaller name guy in David Quinn. Um, He didn't really totally work out. And now that the roster, you know, they've kind of lucked into a lot of uh great pieces there. I mean, I think you try to make that push to make, you know, to maybe even grab a division spot next year uh, in the Metro. And to do that, I mean, it's New York, right? Dolan's rich. He's got the money. Why not throw some money at somebody? I mean, like a, a guy like Claude Julien, a guy like Gerard Gallant, who is established, uh, but is not, you know, an old hack, maybe like John Tortorella. Uh, so, you know, that's where it is. I think, you know, a guy who very gets a team working, puts in a nice system, gets them playing really well at 5 on 5, like a guy like Gallant, like a guy like Juliet, I think either of those guys are really good fits for, uh, you know, moving forward. And yeah, because they, you know, to an extent, yeah, I, like I, if I don't really even know how to, like, really evaluate this team and how they did this. Uh, Did the season because it really seemed like they were kind of fucked from the get-go because it was like, you know, there were four, maybe five, if you were like preseason projections of Philadelphia before they cratered, um, like already, it seemed like the playoff spots were set in terms of like, it just seemed like the four teams that are in the playoffs right now were just a tier above the Rangers and that they didn't really have a chance. And, you know, that kind of played out over the course of the season. So, yeah. It's interesting. Like, was it even that much of a disappointment? Like, did anybody really expect the Rangers to make the playoffs? Like, yes, sure, playoff caliber team. But in the division that they were in, uh, where you have four teams above them that are clearly better in terms of roster construction. um, Yeah, I don't even see if it's that big of a failure. So maybe I don't agree with Dolan in that case. So, you know, bring in a guy who is established. And I think that's the right way to move forward.
0: Yeah, I was thinking earlier today, I'm sure you'll remember about five, six years ago, when all the talk was about how much stronger the Western conference is in the East, I don't know exactly where that rhetoric came from. It was true for maybe like two years with Chicago and when all the California teams were really powerhouses and Vancouver hadn't totally cratered yet. Uh, but now the tables have more than turned, I think on that. Cause I was just thinking about, okay, when the divisions go back to normal next year uh, that Metro division, it's pretty much take this year's East of it Division, but swap out Boston and Buffalo for Carolina and Columbus, which is more or less equal to the caliber of teams. Uh, if, if anything, actually, not even if anything, you could actually say the argument that that division will get even stronger next year, uh, taking out Boston and Buffalo, putting in Carolina and Columbus. You'll have Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, the Islanders, uh, and then the Rangers will still potentially be on the outside looking in. And the Flyers uh, uh, as well definitely have the potential to bounce back. So that is going to be tough. And then in at the Atlantic, you have, you know, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Florida, those four teams that all had great years. And then, you know, Montreal, though, do I think they'll squeak in? Maybe, probably not. Everyone's also like gushing over the Senators now who've been playing absolutely lights out ever since their game stopped mattering. Like, oh, they're going to make the playoffs next year. Chill out on the Sens, everyone, especially in that division next year. I think it's going to be super tough. Meanwhile. In the Pacific, you have Vegas, a significant gap to Edmonton, then another significant gap to like who's the third best team? Calgary? Arizona? I guess probably Calgary. So it's a, a very great disparity between what the East and West are gonna look like next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean you're looking at the East. Uh this is why I don't have I have very little to no hope for the Habs next year. It just seems like there are so many teams that are clearly at tier or even two, three tiers above the Habs. Uh, it just in terms of you know being able to actually string a you know string some games together where you're you play consistently, um, and you know you're talking about like yeah you have four teams ahead of you in the division already that are clear cut better than you uh, like you know like now that Florida's made that jump it's not even close, and so you know what you're gonna grab a wild card spot but now you're fighting against you know one of the East uh, one of the Metro teams and so like, yeah, that case, like I I and I don't see the halves making a huge jump next year. Uh, And even if they do, and then you're probably, like, on par with, you know, one of the, like, you're on par with, like, the fourth-place Atlantic team at that point. And so, yeah, the East is, the like, I don't even remember. Yeah, so it's the East Conference. Um, Completely stacked. I mean, head to toe. You're going to see, like, one, two, maybe even three teams that are bona fide teams, playoff teams, that would absolutely make the playoffs in the West that uh, will just miss out just because there just aren't enough spots. And meanwhile, in the West, yeah, you talk about, like, you can't even freaking fill up the division spots with, like, <laughs> quality teams. Uh, it's it's not even freaking close anymore. Uh, the East is completely stacked, and the West, barring uh, a few juggernauts, uh, completely stinks, and is filled with teams that are all rebuilding.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, thinking of that Pacific division, uh, I think it will probably be as easy as possible for the, for the Seattle Kraken to make the playoffs, because they'll be in that division. And actually, Arizona won't be. Arizona is going to be moving over to the Central next year. Uh, so even before... Seattle has added anyone else besides Luke Hanman? Wow. We're just killing it with these transitions today. <laughs> uh, I might, I might uh, honestly, if I had to pick today, pencil the Seattle Kraken. And as my prediction for third place in the Pacific ahead of the likes of Calgary, Vancouver, and the California team. So yeah, shout out to Luke Henman. Uh, who's now being coined, I guess, as the Seattle Kraken's re Duke. Uh, he was uh, an overrager in the QMJHL with the Blainville, Boboia Armada kind of a mouthful of a name uh and i think he scored over a point per game this year so like yeah yeah we can give him a shot maybe he'll turn out to be like a depth piece uh if all turns out well and if not uh he'll probably be a nice contributor to our ahl team which i'm not even sure what the kraken's ahl team is going to be but now at the very least the seattle kraken have one player on their cap friendly page
1: congratulations luke henman henman Uh, and so, yeah, it really is an indictment on the the strength of the Pacific. If, you know, a team that literally has Luke Henman as the only player and who is (laughs) like, you know, the rest of the team is literally a bunch of question marks. Uh, you're penciling them ahead of, you're putting them in a playoff spot, not only in a playoff spot, a division playoff spot. Uh, yeah, that division fucking sucks. Um, yeah, all the California's think, All the California teams stink right now. And, uh, yeah, it's not very competitive. Vegas will, uh, make the playoffs. They could play their AHL team and they could probably make the playoffs. Uh, anyways, all right. So now we move to the the big meaty chunk of this week's episode. Um, yes. And we recorded it. We're recording on Friday right now just so we get it in before the playoffs start. And so, yeah, the regular season is not quite done yet. Um, and I'll I have some beef with that. I'll get to that in a bit. But, uh, yeah, all eight first-round matchups are set. And so, yeah, well, we can start diving into each of them, including the one that Montreal is playing in. But first. I have some complaints. Uh, and one Nor- why the hell is the North playing starting on Wednesday? Meanwhile, like the rest of them are starting this weekend. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, what is it? Vancouver and Calgary still have like three games to play or whatever it is. And so that's why they push back the North to Wednesday. Uh, but uh, I like, first of all, those Vancouver, those Vancouver Calgary games, they shouldn't be playing in the first place. Just fucking wrap it up, people. Vancouver's been ravaged by the pandemic. And uh, these games could not possibly mean less to me or really to any hockey fan, including any fan of either of those teams. Uh, It makes no sense whatsoever to have these games going on, let alone literally pushing back the playoffs in the North Division just to accommodate them. Like, okay, if you want to have those games to, I don't know, uh, make that TV money, I guess, like maybe you're obligated to do so. Sure. Freaking play the games. I don't give a damn. But then, like, why don't you play it at the same time as the playoffs? It's not like anybody's gonna be freaking watching these games on TV uh, anyways. Now that they're being played. I mean, there are already playoff games going on, for crying out loud. Nobody's fucking watching the Canucks and the Flames. And so, uh, yeah, like, some real head crashing bullshit here. And now, I mean, this has serious implications later on. Whenever, you know, the second round is done, and whoever the winner is there is presumably gonna have less rest than uh, the teams from the other divisions because uh, yeah they're just, they're just pushed back by like what five four five days already uh, it makes no sense whatsoever and so I just want to call out the NHL for some dumb fuck scheduling right now uh, yeah it makes no sense fucking Christ Vancouver Calgary who gives a damn nobody's gonna be watching the freaking games uh, they're already playoffs on it makes no sense
0: mm-hmm. yes okay so number one you're absolutely correct. And pretty much every other hockey fan agrees with you. And honestly, like, we all know that the NHL is a pretty stupid league. It's one thing when you have to make a choice and you make the wrong one. It's another one when you appear to just totally create a problem out of nowhere uh, and, you know, throw off the competitive balance of the playoffs potentially. But I tried to rationalize it. I was thinking, like, all right, what good reason could there possibly be to want to wrap up the regular season North Division before you start the playoffs in the North Division? Because on the surface, when you look at it like that, yeah, it makes sense. You know, you want to finish the regular season of a division before you uh, start in the playoffs. And here's the best I could come up with. You know, I was trying to... I think there must be a word for this. Like the opposite of a pet peeve. Like a small thing. Like I think most people probably know a pet peeve is like a small thing that just annoys you for no particular reason. And the opposite of that would be like... Like like for example, um, I had a friend who always liked to put their their pencils in their pencil case made sure that all like the points were facing the same way. And if they weren't, it would really bother them like that. The pencils weren't facing the same way. And I imagine that like Gary Bettman or whoever was like, Oh, it would just really bother me if like the Leafs and Canadians played game one when the Canucks and flames still had like two more absolutely meaningless regular season games left. So just to, just to satisfy his own, you know, Dumb little feeling of what's orderly and organized. He was like, "Yeah, let's let's force there to be a back-to-back that not only diminishes our product, but is proven to you know slightly increase the risk of injury." And not only that, uh, a lot of people are forgetting that whoever wins the North Division. Uh, is going to have to travel to some city in the U.S. And now they, they might have, like, what, one night to prepare in a totally new city while the other team may have been resting for an entire week because of how the what the schedule imbalance might end up being? Uh, so, yeah, this is one of the most astonishingly stupid and needlessly stupid decisions that I can remember the NHL making. And honestly, I think that's saying quite a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's really no reason for it. There is no freaking reason for it. Like, these games could not be possibly less meaningful if they tried. For crying out loud, all the seedings have been determined. And neither of these teams have a remote chance of making the playoffs, mathematically eliminated. Who cares? Who cares? They're not even vying for lottery spots. Like, none of them are, you know, like, one of the worst teams in the league. They're all, like, they're astonishingly mediocre. And so, you know, I just, I don't freaking understand for crying out loud. Why? Why? Like who actively made this decision? That's what I want to know. Who came up with the stupidity and how many people did it go through before, you know, it came, like they came to this decision. It's, I don't understand. I cannot believe that this amount of stupidity is coming from the league. I just, why? There's no reason for it. Um, there's no reason for the stupidity. Like there's like, you know, usually you can think like, oh, you know, Follow the money. But there's no money to follow here. It's just stupidity to follow. And I don't understand. Anyways, let's get to the... Mm -hmm. Well, 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 the
0: the money aspect that people are citing, that's the reason why the league feels they need to play those Canucks-Flames games at all. But as for not starting the North Division playoffs earlier, that does have nothing to do with it. It's just probably some guy feeling that this is like the organized and orderly thing to do. Uh, But yeah, actually, Vancouver... Uh, could absolutely, you know, if they lose out against Calgary, they might end up, I'm um, looking at third last. No, not third last. They, they couldn't fall any lower than fourth last. So, uh, I mean, that is a very low position, but then again, it still doesn't matter at all. Uh, anyway, let let's move over to the more fun stuff and the actual reason that we're recording on this Friday evening, which is the playoffs, as you said before. All the matchups are set. Taisei and I are going to walk through our predictions, our brackets. Mine is super fun and fabulous. And uh, I don't feel confident in it, but I at least feel more happy about it than I have in recent years uh, where I'm just like, oh, I don't know. These like the the widest spread is like a 60% chance of victory. This is literally all just coin flips. And so I'm miserable because I know like about half of these are probably going to be wrong. But anyway, would you would, yeah. do? You want to? have a specific division that you want to start with? A specific matchup that intrigues you? uh
1: hmm. Should we go? Should we go? Uh, vanilla and start with the north. Um, you know sure. I like the west. Sure. Or, or you know what? Okay, uh, I'm west. good either way. Honestly, what the hell? Um, yeah. <laughs> let's 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 go with the freaking west. Why not? Spice it up. Let's subvert sure. expectations. Um. Okay. All right. So, let's start with what I think is one of the most exciting matchups. Here in uh, within our eight that we have in the first round, uh, yeah, we have the freaking Golden Knights, the two seed in the West versus the three seed in the West with the Minnesota Wild, and uh, yeah, so the Minnesota Wild mired in mediocrity for the entirety of their existence since they came into the league have suddenly become very exciting. Uh, and you know they feasted on the dog shit teams of the West, but also they certainly held their own. Uh, against the other teams, especially against the Knights, which is what makes this so interesting. Because, you know, at first glance, you might think, you know, oh, the Golden Knights are a tier above. But then you look at the season series, and the season series, you know, I think it has a much more, it gives a much more, like a, it gives more clear indication of what's up than in a typical season because you're freaking playing these teams like eight ni- eight nights in a season, in a condensed season, no less. And so, yeah, let's look at that. And the Wild, uh, it seems, have had the Golden Knights number for a while now. Uh, and what they lost like once in regulation to the Knights and they have, they won the season series. And so it makes you think like, you know, initially you would say the wild, uh, the Knights are a better team. They're much, they're better. Well, they're more well-rounded. They've got the freaking potentially Vesna nominee in that. Um, but yeah, that whole season series matchup really makes you think it kind of throws in a whole wrench into what you might, you know, typically compare these teams as.
0: Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to end that with, uh, with your, your prediction.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, sure. So let's think, so, you know, okay. So I'll give my prediction. Uh, you know, the wild are very deep at forward, but the, you know, Vegas, they've got that top six, the defense. I think it's, it's pretty close, you know, like, you know, Vegas, got those three dudes, uh, Petrangelo, you know, Shea Theodore, and then, uh, out of nowhere, Alec Martinez. And then, you know, the wild are, uh, they play a very good defensive system with some dudes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to give the Knights. I'm going to say the Knights and Seven. I think it's very, very close. But I think, you know, I look at Cam Talbot. I'm worried about Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot was on my fantasy team all year. And so I've been closely tracking his ups and downs. And, uh, yeah, the month of April has been one big down. Um, I don't know what it is, but he just hasn't been very good. Kapo Kakinen, who was also pretty good earlier in the season, uh, is not very good recently. And meanwhile, you have Marc-Andre Fleury, who uh, out of nowhere... Vezna nominee and I think was it you that gave him a a nominee last week a few days ago when we were doing our awards predictions uh yeah I think that really takes the cake here I uh you know I think the matchup in terms of the season series certainly spices it up but I think Vegas in the end takes it in seven
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you started with the matchup that I've been beating myself up most about going back and forth on uh because on one hand in any other year or I guess not necessarily any other year, but against a lot of other teams, Minnesota would be like a super trendy underdog pick now. And a lot of people are, are have been talking about like, oh, Colorado, Vegas, they're both so good. I think they finished top two in the entire league. That would just be an absolutely killer second round ma- matchup. Uh, but Minnesota is certainly capable of playing a spoiler. And a lot of people are kind of scared of that uh, because I really want to see Colorado Vegas, which almost happened in the conference final last year. Uh, until, uh, Dallas actually spoiled that for Colorado came. No, they didn't come back from down three, one. They almost blew the three, one lead. But anyway, I have Vegas penciled in also Vegas and seven, just like you at the moment. And uh, I've thought about switching it, especially like if it goes seven, I feel like that kind of reminds me of the Washington Carolina first round series from two years ago. Washington was the favorite Carolina was like a a wild card. And Washington, I think, like, went up 2 nothing. Carolina fought back, and it ended up going to Game 7, and the whole time it was kind of this feeling of, like, oh, good for Carolina. Scrappy underdogs pushing the caps all the way to 7. And then Carolina won Game 7 overtime, and it was kind of like, whoa, I guess we didn't realize how close they were. And I kind of get the vibe that that could happen in this series as well. So i but i'm not gonna switch i'm not gonna switch because then i'll just feel like an idiot for like switching my mind to bet against the golden knights are you kidding They're like number two in the league so yeah there's my spiel on that one and i i I echo everything you said about both of their their roster constructions
1: all right very nice so let's yeah i think that's our piece on the knights versus the wild um and so yeah let's go to the other one much less exciting i think um the avalanche versus the blues and much less exciting in the sense that uh my pick was made much easier on this one. Uh I mean look, the Avalanche are a juggernaut. The blues are not. What more do I need to say? I mean across the board, it's just the Avalanche are just so much fucking better. Uh and the Blues have uh constantly underwhelmed. I mean it just seems like it was like they pulled ahead the of Arizona in the end, but it just seems like it was the other the other week when we were talking about like, ooh, who's gonna get the fourth spot in the in the fucking West? And if that's what you're talking about late in the season, you're competing against <laughs> the coyotes, it doesn't me much hope about your prospect in the playoffs especially against a team that is so freaking loaded as the avalanche i mean uh everywhere everywhere like forward is just ridiculous that top six especially that top line i mean uh, that top line's been good for so long for like two three years now uh among the best in the league and then you know their second line rocks and so uh like who's on the like Kadri's on the second line they also have uh you know and so like you know That's a rockin' second line. And meanwhile, you know, the Blues, you know, you have a bunch of guys who, you know, oh, they won a couple, couple years ago. But, like, you know, none of them have been particularly good this season. And so, there's that. And then you look at the defense, the Colorado defense, and it's fucking over. It's over. That's it. I mean, like, you have Keo McCarr, who, uh, Norris nominee, uh, would've won if he hadn't gotten injured, but now he's healthy. Devontae, who's an absolute stud. Sam Gerrard, who, when, you know, Makar was injured, uh, was an absolute rock star. And, you know, the Blues defense stinks. I mean, Tory Krug hasn't been very good. And there's nobody really worth talking about otherwise who had like a, a phenomenal season or even a great season. And so, uh, you know, and then goaltending, uh, you know, Philip Grubauer kind of been, that, that's where it's a bit of a question mark. You know, because Grubauer, I think he's been fading down the stretch. Bennington's been good in April. Um, but even if Bennington's freaking awesome and Grubauer's disappointing. I mean, just look at the other parts of the roster. It's not even close. Uh, absent in five, I would think about four, but I'll say five.
0: Ah, fuck it. Abs yeah. in four. <laughs> All right. That was pretty enthusiastic. One of these years, I think I'm going to pick some underdog that no one's picking. Uh, you know, maybe against the President's Trophy winners. I'll, I, I'll have no facts to back it up, but I'll pick it anyway. And then it might turn out. This is not that year uh, because the abs are simply too good. Uh, I have abs in five as well. Uh, thank you for switching your pick to four because I don't, I don't want us to go matching pick for pick. All the way through because that would just be too boring i think we will probably get to some argument uh some of the other divisions for now we both agree though uh and i mean that as defense impossible to argue with it honestly makar girard and devon taves could all be top 15 defensemen in the nhl maybe even top 10 i don't know if i'd have devon taves in my top 10 i would have makar there for sure top two and same as Gerard is probably. at having my top ten as well. And the pieces around them too are great. Ryan Graves, Patrick Nemeth has been you know fine since they got him at the deadline. Connor Timmins has been as good as everyone expected. They've Eric Johnson's only played like four games this year, I think, uh, and he's been a a key defenseman for them his entire tenure. They've been just fine. I'm not sure if he's going to be returning anytime soon. Uh, but honestly, even if he doesn't, I mean the the little P next to their name, the standing speaks for itself. They're absolutely chugging along right now in Colorado uh I'll, I'll give st louis uh one game though i'm gonna go colorado in five okay
1: you know i was thinking about it and i was thinking about like you know when i was doing my goalie evaluation like goddamn, I, I, if i was an Avs fan i would be so nervous about grubauer at this point i mean like he was injured well no he wasn't injured i think it was on the covid list right but like even despite yeah. like he's been pretty bad recently like you know, mediocre. And that's, I think that's a product of being overworked and because they didn't have a backup and I railed about it at the deadline when they fucking got Devin Dubnik, who uh, when he has played has sucked as anticipated. Uh, And so they have nobody back there behind Grubauer. I mean, if Grubauer goes down or Grubauer struggles, what are they going to do? You're going to play fucking Devin Dubnik in the playoffs. You're just, you're only shooting yourself in the foot. And so, you know, like uh, I'm worried if there's one part of the abs that like, man, I don't understand why you like you don't pay a fortune for one of those quality backups, like Chris Dieter is the name that comes to mind. I mean, like this is the year. You, everything is loaded. And even, you know, Grubauer is not bad at all. He's a great goalie. But you need someone behind there, I feel, especially the way he's been performing near the end, the way they overworked him throughout the season. Like, man, if they don't win and it's because of their goaltending because Grubauer, you know, falters or gets injured, I mean, that's completely on Sakik for not getting someone at the deadline.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if they don't win, that would be the reason. I'm looking at Grubauer's game log uh right now. Oh whoops, sorry, I was at the wrong end of the season because I was like, it looks great. Yeah, he's I mean, he's been okay as of late. He he just got that six nothing shutout uh two nights ago against the LA Kings. Let's see, save percentages. Uh a hundred, nine seventy-three, eight eighty-two, nine oh nine, eight fifty-two. A hundred, nine forty six, six eleven, eight forty, nine sixty-four. Uh, it's not absolutely terrible. Um, of course, there is that, you know, that worry that oh he's going to probably not start getting better and better as the playoffs go on, playing every single game, and because he has been overworked this season. Uh, when do the Avs start? It's not tomorrow because there's just Boston-Washington tomorrow. Is it the 16th or is it the 17th? Because I think even having, like, uh, four or five days off... Uh, would be a really big help and a refresher for him heading into the playoffs, and I'd be less concerned about uh, not having him be rested enough. Uh, Yeah, May 17th. So that's going to be 13, 14, 15, 16. Uh, That's four straight days off without a game for Grubauer. And I know it's relatively small when you're looking at, you know, a two-month playoff, but I think it can make a difference.
1: That's fair. That's fair. But, like, man, you know, the tandems have really been the way to go recently, save for, you know, last year when Vasilevsky won it all but uh yeah i'm worried i'm worried because you know like that basically the avs better freaking sweep like sweep or five games the blues cuz you really don't want to be playing grubauer more than he needs to especially after you know mm-hmm. a season's worth of work like that like hey, they shouldn't have worked him up that much um that's what i think anyways Here's like a you should have like you were going to... What? yeah
0: uh if the avs go up 3 nothing in the series against st louis do you put Dubnik in for game 4 rest grubauer yeah give him some extra time why the time hell not
1: why the hell not? I mean, like, ah, eh, probably they probably won't, but I I would seriously consider it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. They just it feels like they kind of put themselves in a in a worse position than they could have with Grubauer. You know, like, um, like you know, you you knew you were gonna make the playoffs all season, uh, and if you didn't at the very beginning, like you know, like 10, 15 games in, you knew were you in, uh, especially considering the quality of composition in that division. Uh, and so I don't understand why they worked them so much. Um, it's like you know before past the past has shown you can't overwork your goalies you're, you're only shooting your you're only costing you're only paying that price in the playoffs and for a team like the abs that's not where you want to be paying the price right so uh yeah the whole goalie situation with the uh, with the abs is is the one part of the roster where i'm really kind of scratching my head a bit
0: yeah all right let's move over to the north division the other one you mentioned uh obviously montreal toronto is the big marquee matchup especially for us in this division that we're very excited about for obvious reasons but i i've I've got to say uh this division was by far the easiest for me in terms of my picks uh starting with toronto montreal um i'm going with leafs and six uh and i feel like i'm being maybe slightly generous to the habs there allowing them to go six um but gallagher likely coming back i think that's going to make a big difference uh but of course you you don't even just have to look at the standings and see that Montreal is the only playoff team that's behind two non-playoff teams. Uh, I also take heavily into account how a team is doing, uh, leading into the playoffs. I put a lot more stock into those games than the January games. And I think most people would, uh, and the fact that Montreal, uh, has now five L's in a row heading into the playoffs certainly doesn't inspire much confidence.
1: No, it really doesn't. And, uh, you know, I, the five L's, I don't put too much stock in them. Like typically I would for like a regular team, but you know, the Habs, it seems that they kind of let up and you know, they're, it doesn't seem like they're trying that much. It doesn't really seem like they're amping up for a playoff run, which I admit is, is a concern. It is a concern. I'm not saying it's nothing. Um, but you know, I wouldn't put too much stock in the five L's. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it really seems like they're outmatched. Doesn't it? Like, um, Oh, so like if you you just mm-hmm. go through the the roster. I mean, we the Ford Group, like the Habs, if they get Gallagher back, and that's a big if. And we you know we don't know what's happening there with the timeline. Um, even then, like the Leafs are so stacked in that top six, and the Habs just don't have star power like that. Um, and you know the defense for the Leafs has improved, and the defense for the Habs is slow and sucks. Uh, and so you know. Not much of a match there. Meanwhile, Jack Campbell has been fantastic since he's become the starter, and we don't even know who the damn starter is going to be for the Habs. Uh, Jake Allen, who's not who's been all right as a starter, uh, he's been solid, not hasn't been given much help, uh, has has been actually very good actually considering the circumstances. Yeah, or good. Carey Price, yeah, um, or Carey, yeah. I'm just clouded by the fact that the team around him stinks or has stunk. Uh, and or Carey Price, who uh, yeah, hasn't been playing well this season. And who's coming off a concussion. So uh, it just seems like in every phase of the game, you know, it seems like Toronto's going to win. But then you also have to take into account that Toronto has choked away uh, first rounds for so many years now in a row that maybe they do it against the Habs. But that seems like you're just grasping at straws right now for Montreal. Uh, that's the main reason you can come up with is, oh, maybe the Leafs will choke again for the f- like fourth year mm-hmm. in a row. Um, yeah, not a great outlook to say the least. And... You know, maybe I do hold a bit of optimism. You know, I'm not. I, I'm not. I don't think this is a complete slam dunk. Maybe I'm just riding off the high of like uh, we were gonna get. We thought everybody thought we were gonna get completely cooked by the Penguins last year, and we didn't. Uh, and we actually won. Um, maybe I'm riding off of that. But there's there's still hope, and it is hockey. Lots of randomness involved. But it's it's looking pretty bleak, isn't it? It seems. Yeah, it is yep. looking pretty bleak.
0: Yeah, I've got to say it does feel kind of different for the, the Leafs this year, not just because they are so much better, especially with that defense actually looks, you know, pretty good, which is way more than we could have said in like any of the other recent years. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say that like they choked against the Bruins besides, of course, 2013, but they were the underdog. They were the away team in both of those series. Columbus last year, I think, was the only real disappointment. But like, yeah, Toronto's definitely on the right track. Um, and that's why I picked them in six. And the other one, Edmonton right. versus Winnipeg. Uh, you know, once again, I'll be citing another series from 2019 and it's another one the Jets were in. I feel like once again, uh the Jets, you know, got off to a pretty good start, secured a playoff spot uh, pretty nicely, and just absolutely sucked down the stretch. And then they lost to the Blues in the first round even though I'm pretty sure they were actually still the home team. Uh and this one against the Oilers, they're not, they're sucking. They're trending downward. Uh, The Oilers are trending upward. They're heating up. Uh, They've been doing a lot of winning recently, thanks pretty much entirely to Connor McDavid and his historic season, which is now, I think, actually number one uh, era-adjusted point total since, like, 1930. That's above every single Gretzky and Lemieux season era-adjusted. We're seeing maybe the best offensive season, most impressive, at least, offensive season ever. And uh, his team is the number two seed, uh, which, you know, could even be seen as an indictment as the team at the of the team around him. But anyway, the only thing that gave me slight pause on picking the Oilers was ooh, did the Jets kind of really tail off like when Nikolai Ehlers got injured and he might be back really soon and he really stirs the drink. Uh but I thought, you know, let me not overthink this one. The Oilers are killing it. The Jets are dying. Uh and so I'm going Oilers in, in five, I think was the number I picked.
1: Okay. Yeah, I got a similar analysis here. Oilers in six uh, this is my least favorite, se- least, least favorite series in terms of excitement uh, out of the eight. I just think it's freaking boring. Uh, really? Uh, well, like, you know, like, uh, aside from... And the only redeeming factor, and it is quite a redeeming factor, is watching Carter McDavid and, you know, Leon Drysaddle. But, like, you know, they just fucking suck, man. Their team sucks. Like, you know, yeah, they got some guys in the top line, and that's fine and all. But, like, you know, they're an all right top line who underwhelms sometimes. And their entire team strategy is, oh, I hope Counter Hellebuck fucking saves the puck. Their defense sucks. Um, it just really feels like the Winnipeg Jets aren't very much of a playoff team, especially considering how they played down the stretch. Like, holy crap, were they bad. Um, you know, like losing to the Sanders left and right is just awful, awful. And the Oilers, like, oh, my God, it's so fun watching Connor McDavid play, but it's so not fun watching everybody else play. Like, holy crap. Um, like, the bottom six on the team sucks so hard. I cannot believe. Uh, and, yeah, it really is an indictment on the Oilers that like, you know, you have the best season ever offensively by a player and you still can't manage to get the first seed in a division that, you know, is bad. Uh, so yeah, that's down that on the Oilers. You know, I'll have fun watching McDavid, like, you know, hopefully win the playoff series. Um, but yeah, it just like the, nothing on that team aside from McDavid and Dreisaitl excites me at all. I look at those names and I'm like, eh. Like, okay, like, you know, maybe I'll laugh at Mike Smith and I'll laugh at the fact that he has like a nine twenty-three save percentage this season, which is completely absurd. Um, it's it's bordering on levels of funny. Um, but yeah, like Jesus. Like yeah, just there's nothing in inspi-
0: Yeah. I was just gonna say, you know who else excites me on the Oilers is Mike Smith. Uh because either he maintains the incredible level of play he somehow managed to discover this season, or he just absolutely falls apart and collapses in the playoffs. And either way it's a pretty fun story.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, but like you know, like ah, Christ. Like let me pull up their roster. Like, uh, am I supposed to feel excited about Dominic Cahoon and like Jesse Poliardi and Shore.
0: like
1: Devin Shore, Josh Archibald, like Alex Jason, like Ryan McLeod? Like, Jesus Christ, it's Ryan pathetic. Good.
0: He's like he's he's like he? twenty one years old. Yeah, he, he just he was tearing it up in Bakersfield. and They're like, all right, become our new third line center, and he's been pretty good so far. So uh, right. it's a nice piece for them.
1: Nice. But I've, as I've said before, I think I said this last week, like if there was a channel, if it was the possibility that, you know, the channel changes automatically whenever Carter McDavid steps on the ice, like that's what I would want for the series. Like everything mm-hmm. else, I feel like it will be unbearable watching like the Oilers fourth line play. I just want to like, for the love of God, change the channel.
0: Yeah. Trevor Lewis up against uh, Jujar Kara, the marquee matchup. Anyway. Spicy. Uh, Let's move on to the East uh where those four teams we were talking about before really distance themselves from the other four teams in the division. Our one four matchup here uh is probably the tightest one four matchup out of all of them. Pittsburgh and the Islanders. Um the Islanders have been struggling down the stretch, but a lot of people are like, Oh, still gotta watch out for the Islanders, you know? I think they were kind of, you know, I uh, have really stumbled into the extremely long pause last year with like a six game losing streak. And then they really found a new gear in the playoffs. First of all, I think the fact that they are like four months off in between is kind of a pretty big difference and that slump may not as necessarily been as applicable as the one they're currently going through is. But I think they like they rested Matthew Barzal It's like oh gotta be ready for the playoffs and people are worried, like, oh Islanders, they're gonna, you know, clutch and grab and really turn it on in the playoffs like they always do. I'm sick of it, alright? I'm sick of the Islanders. Finding ways to like, like sweep the Penguins and then like make it to the conference finals last year. All right, I've had enough of it. So even if I did think they were gonna win, which I don't, I would pick against them just because I hope so badly that they lose. And also, I do have a lot of faith in the Penguins and how good they've been as of late. And they've been trending upward even since the acquisition of Jeff Carter, which we kind of made fun of. He's been uh, he's fitting great and he's been scoring quite a bit. So I picked the Penguins. Um, some reason I'm forgetting what number I picked. I think it was probably like six or something like that.
1: Yeah. So uh, this is this was the series that I actually had the hardest time because I have such a hard time comparing these two teams because you know there's really like the comparison. It's like the, the the you know they have the Pens who are good at forward and the Isles who are not so good at forward who can't score uh, especially recently. And then you have you know the Islanders who are so good defensively and who play a great system, and so it's like, you know, they're like almost, it feels like they're like, you know, almost diametrical opposites in the way their rosters are constructed, and so, yeah, I thought that was very interesting, but, uh, and so I, yeah, this series is going seven games, I feel, it just feels like, yeah, it's that kind of thing, and I ended up picking the Islanders, so our first disagreement in our bracket, um, I picked them in seven, because of that thing that you, you described, you will kind of alluded to, is like, why the fuck do they keep winning in the playoffs? This team shouldn't be. They can't score, and they're boring as hell. Um, but yeah, I you know that's I think I think it'll you know I mean like you look at how Lamos and playing uh, this season, he's been lights out. Another possible Vesna nominee, and Tristan Charry's been all right. Uh, you know Boyd behind a team that's been very good in front of him. So uh, yeah, it is very tight though, and you know you could absolutely one could absolutely convince me to pick the Pens in this series. Um, just based on like the forward imbalance, because uh, you know the Penguins are much better at forward, especially the way Crosby's been playing. Um, but I said, why the hell not? Let's let's pick the Islanders for one series this time around to win, um, <laughs> because uh, they've got some voodoo shit going on. I don't know what it is, but uh, Barry Trots he knows how to play the playoffs.
0: Yeah, you know, even if the Islanders do win this series, I won't feel bad about this pick because I am fully fair, aware. Of the fact that I, I'm just like, I acknowledge all this Islanders voodoo stuff and I'm, and I'm, you know, I just don't like it. So I'm going to pick against it. And if it happens, I will feel like it just defeated me rather than I just like, didn't acknowledge it. Um, But anyway, other series there at the two, three uh, is Washington versus Boston. Uh, And similarly somewhat to the Edmonton Winnipeg matchup, we have one team that's kind of gone cold in Washington. And not only that, they've had a lot of injury troubles as of late. John Carlson's missing time. Ovechkin, Oshie, uh, I think Nicholas Backstrom also. Those are obviously four very key pieces. Not to mention, the gold, The goaltending has been kind of suspect all year. Ilya Samsonov's been a, a bit of a disappointment, and Vitek Vanacek has had to take over and sort of become the number one there. Uh, meanwhile, Boston, especially since acquiring Taylor Hall, who could have saw that coming that he'd be a, a big boost to their team? They've been rocking and rolling. Uh, you know, scoring... Winning games, they've got like at least three capable goaltenders. Uh, I know you don't need more than one at a time. You might not need even more than one throughout the entire playoffs. Uh, but this was uh, not such a hard pick for me looking at recent trends. And honestly, uh, even though Washington was higher in the standings, just looking at the rosters, I'm like, yeah, the the Boston team looks much stronger than the Washington team. I think I picked the Bruins in five.
1: Oh, I picked the same pick. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear cut right here. Who's the better team? I mean, uh, and then you take into recent play. Uh, it's not even close at this point. Yeah, five games is about right. I mean, like, yeah, it just seems like it's a bit... It seems like Boston's at least on par or significantly winning in uh, each of these three categories. I mean, yeah, the goaltending, uh, I don't even know who's going to play. Uh, you know, Rask has been... He's been very good. Swayman's been very good. And, hell, you know, you have Yarrow Halak there. So, uh, three studs. And, meanwhile, you have two, uh, yeah, dare I say scrubs almost in Washington and net. And, you know, studs that defense... Yeah, studs and scrubs. But that defense there in Boston, um, still questionable in terms of depth in that third pairing. Um, but, you know, Mike Riley, big addition. has been wonderful for their defense. And, uh, yeah, their top pairing of McAvoy and uh, Grizzlick. I mean, they've been great. Uh, definitely a step up for both of them this season compared to past performance. And so, and yeah. And then, you know, you look at the top six. Boston's top six has been ridiculous. They've been completely rolling, especially that second line. Um, and completely overtakes, uh, Washington's forwards, right? I mean, you have the uh, the perfection line, to use that nickname. The Ratatouille uh, and, line. You know, best top, the Ratatouille line, the best, best, uh, best line in the league. And then you, you have the Creachie Hall-Smith. And that's, yeah, I, it's not particularly close. Washington's forwards haven't been great. They haven't been like awesome, like jaw-dropping awesome. Um, they've been good, but they haven't been all that. And Boston's has. So, yeah, I don't think it's particularly close. Boston in five.
0: Yeah, even Boston's defense, I think I would take it over Washington's. Like the top pairing, McAvoy Grizzlick versus John Carlson Orlov, I'd probably take the McAvoy one. Uh yeah, and okay. like, you know, even the even the bottom pairing in Washington, I think it's like Chara and Nick Jensen. Uh, and Boston's is, who do they have there? That Jeremy Lozon and Kevin Miller? I don't know, kind of a wash, I guess. Chara's really not that great anymore at the age of 44, although that is a very interesting storyline heading into the series is Chara playing against his old teammates, and he's going to, you know, cross-check them in the back, and that's the only way he'll provide any sort of value to the Capitals playing on that third pairing. Uh, but let's move on over to the Central Division. For the last of the first-round matchups, starting with the lopsided Carolina Hurricanes, versus Nashville Predators. Nashville's only hope is that UC Saros somehow gets even better than he has been doing as of late, dragging them into the playoffs, that he turns on absolute god mode and doesn't allow the Carolina Hurricanes to score at all. Uh, And to be fair, Carolina's goalies have been very good as well, so Nashville would probably also need uh, Mrazek or Nindeljkovic or whoever is playing to somehow really taper off in order for them to have a chance. And I really don't see it happening because honestly, just looking at the rosters on paper, this is, I would say, the most lopsided out of every single series. Uh, I still gave Nashville one game, though. I don't tend to like picking sweeps, so I did Carolina in five.
1: Okay, yeah, I would say second. I think the the Avs Blues is more lopsided, but this one's certainly up there. Um, I mean, just even goaltending. I mean, Saras has been so good, but Nadalovich has been almost, you know, he's been basically just as good um, down the stretch. And you know, you have Peter Mrazik, who's been awesome whenever he's been healthy. And so either way, it's like a can't lose. And if one of them falters, you just put in the other guy. And, uh, you know, the Preds don't have that luxury. Uh, And even defense, you know, like, you know, Dougie Hamilton rocks. You gave him that Norris nod last week. And, uh, yeah, you know, the Preds are all about that defense. But it's pretty comparable because, you know, the Canes defense has been good for years now. Um, It's just built that way. It's better than Nashville. Yeah, well, yeah, especially if you look at the, well, yeah, top four, I would say so. Yeah, fucking who's their fourth defenseman in Nashville? Dante uh, Fabro,
0: I think, these days. Yeah. Or, like, right. er- Eric um, Goodbranson. Has he been playing yikes. minutes? I'm pretty uh, sure he has been.
1: Okay. But either way, yeah, like, Pesci and Shea is better than, uh, I don't know, Ekholm and the other guy, uh, whoever it is. Anyways, yeah, and then the forwards type of close. I mean, look, uh, top six, Carolina completely loaded. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Nashville second line is what? Let's see. Granlund, Yarncrock, and Kunin? Kunin? Uh, like, huh. uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's you know what it's, I noticed uh, it's,
0: Yeah, go ahead from Nashville. Look at Matthew Shane's numbers. He has been absolutely terrible in the I know he missed a big chunk of time, but even just look at like his, his points per game or something was incredibly low. This season he has he has six goals and seven assists for thirteen points in thirty-four games. Um that honestly he's getting how much? I think like eight. Yeah. He signed till twenty twenty six. $8 million a year, that is honestly in, I would say, the Skinner tier of bad contracts if you can't really kick it up a notch from that. But that's kind yeah. of besides the, the thing.
1: And even, like, Nashville's Ford, there's nobody, like, it's like Forsberg, and even, yeah, yeah, Ryan Johansson has sucked. He stinks!
0: Oh, yeah. Um, too, but we he all that it. money,
1: 22 points this season in 48 games. That's ridiculous. Um, So, you know, the, the Ford group just doesn't match up. It doesn't match up. It's not even close. Uh, so yeah. Uh, what, what did I pick? I picked, uh, Carolina in four or five. I picked him in five. Yeah.
0: All right. Then we have this last series. I deliberately saved this one for last because it's my favorite, uh, Florida versus Tampa Bay. Obviously, you know, the all Florida matchup, uh, it's kind of a story that's gotten peddled a little bit more than I would have expected to be honest. Uh, and I, I, not only that, think it's the, uh, the, the probably going to be the most exciting one from an objective perspective. And I'm picking the Panthers. I'm picking the Florida Panthers in this series. Wow. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that, that's my bold pick. I was like, yeah, yeah. Tampa Bay, but like oh, you know, they're going to get Kudra back. They're gonna get stamp goes back. Vasilevsky's good. The one thing that started to make me think, hmm, what if I want to pick against the Lightning? Uh, get a little edgy. Was oh, we know Victor Hedman's kind of playing hurt. And when they got you know, beaten by the Blue Jackets, surprisingly, a couple years ago, one of the big things was Victor Hedman is not at 100%. We saw him get styled a couple times throughout that series, and that really sunk them. Could I see that happening again? Yes, I absolutely can. I know Florida's missing Aaron Eckblad, uh, but we've seen down the stretch all their defensemen have really uh, risen in his absence, especially Mackenzie Weger, who's been playing absolutely like a number one defenseman as of late. Uh, Florida's on a little bit of a winning streak going now, you know, six wins in a row. I think something like that, uh, Tampa Bay, I think has lost their last three, those trends. I take that into account a lot. And I feel like, you know, Florida, I think they just, they've got a little bit of spunk this year. I think they got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, uh, uh, of that fun energy. I don't know. A little, little bit of, of, of Vegas magic, even though they have nothing to do with the Golden Knights. Uh, so yeah, there we go. That's my reasoning for, uh, for picking the Florida Panthers. I picked it in six games. Um, because why did I not do seven? I don't remember. There was a specific reason why I was like, nah, less than seven. Florida said to go three, two and then finish them off there. That's my pick.
1: All right. Okay. Yeah. This is, uh, this is such a fun series. Oh my God. Let alone, you know, the Florida, Florida matchup, which, uh, yeah, has been a touch overplayed. Um, but, uh, I mean, these teams are loaded, both of them completely loaded. And, you know, we don't know the the big question mark, of course, is Tampa, right? Like, you know they've been kind of struggling a bit. You know with the headman injury and just in general. Oh. Um. But how good is Kucherov? Oh, I lost her connection know. for a second. We don't second. know how healthy is. Oh. Okay. Oh, you're um, back. All
0: right. Okay. Carry on. So with yeah. What he-
1: okay. Yeah. So like we don't even know how good Kucherov is at this point, right? Um. Like how healthy is? Uh. You know, and we're talking about like he spent I don't know how many months, like eight nine months, uh, not playing in an NHL game. So like he's jumping in first game playoffs. And like, uh, we don't know how he's going to adjust. maybe because remember this is the freaking MVP. Uh, was it was he the MVP last year? No, he wasn't. But he Two was like ago. you know MVP caliber, fucking incredible. Um, and so he, like this is a big plus, and you know Tampa's been playing all season without him, and so this could potentially be a huge addition, or he could underwhelm if he's not healthy enough. And you know you also have Stamkos. Like, uh, is we don't know the status of uh, his health. How? Uh, How healthy is this dude? But then again, we watched last year. He played for like two minutes and they still managed to win the damn cup. And so, yeah, there's a lot. And then you look at the freaking Florida Panthers who, like, I love their top nine. It just seems like every line there is just working. Like, we laughed at Sam Bennett, but now apparently Sam Bennett's like the second best player in the whole damn league Uh, (laughs) ever since the trade deadline. Well, that's an exaggeration, but, you know, it sure seems like the way he's been scoring. So, uh, yeah, it's it's so tight, and it's just these teams are both so good, uh. And but I am picking Tampa Bay in the end, and I'm picking Tampa Bay solely because I don't think Florida has their goaltending situation figured out. Like I don't even know who they're playing game one, and for the love of God, if they play Sergey Bobrovsky, they're going <laughs> they're going to sink themselves. Uh, and I think they very might they very well might. Uh, I think there's a large chance of that. So oh, please no, and Vasilevsky, no. I mean. MVP, he's a, well, you know, MVP of the team, Vezina winner probably this year. And uh, yeah, I think that's what tips it in the, in the end. Like I think is absolutely can go toe to toe with this team uh, with Tampa. But I just think in the end, like the goaltending, if it is Bobrovsky, is so lopsided that, uh, yeah, I'm taking Tampa in seven.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I knew for sure that they were going to go with Bobrovsky, I may reconsider my pick. But I would have 100% faith in either Chris Dreger or Spencer Knight, uh, even Bobrovsky. You know, I don't think that would totally deter me. Just look at that wins-loss record, 19 and eight. The save percentage is, is like a 906. It's nothing to write home about. But he hasn't been putrid like he was in the the 1920 season. So I don't think that sinks them. I don't think that would totally swim me. But yeah, as you say, um, just Florida Joel Quenville, It seems like he's found combinations with the forwards that just absolutely work and click especially since sam bennett arrived arrived verhage barkoff and duclair has been their top line for a while now uh and you know who would have thought you know carter verhage turning into a top line player anthony duclair really found a home where where 100 percent works on that top line in florida then that allows you to put jonathan huberto uh an elite player with sam bennett and owen Tippett, who's finally gotten a chance to uh to shine this year. I've been saying for years, I want to be, let him play. He's going to be great, and he has been pretty good. And then, now you have Patrick Hornquist, who's still pretty good, and Alexander Wenberg, who had been your second-line center before the acquisition of Sam Bennett, both on your third line with Frank Vitrano, and all those combinations uh, really seem to work. Whereas Tampa Bay, you know, I know adding Kucherov and Stankos to the mix is going to be nothing but a help, but there is a chance it kind of throws the balance, of the lineup, uh, off a bit. You know, maybe will will the depth players be getting used to new line mates? I don't know. Maybe that's kind of an overthinking thing that I'm doing. Probably is, uh, but I'm uh I'm still picking Florida in this one, and uh, you know, it's one that I'm most excited about a pick that like I know it's the the unpopular pick, but I'm still pretty confident in it. So uh, I really like making those types of picks.
1: All right, so that concludes our first round. Do we want to go? quickly through the uh, the rest of the bracket?
0: Uh yeah, let's run through it. Let's head back to uh the West. Colorado versus Vegas. That was both our predictions for round two. Who do you think would win that one?
1: Yeah, so I'm taking Colorado here. Um I just think they're so overpowered everywhere. Um and if Grubauer stays, you know, solid, all they need him is to be solid. And uh, you know, Vegas, yeah, this is a this would be a sick matchup. But I just think that Colorado is so well built across the board that uh yeah i think i i there's i didn't put a game but i would put it in six for colorado
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i picked colorado over vegas as well if that one were to happen for all the reasons we said of when we were talking about them going up against st louis and really you look how they compare to pretty much everyone else in the league you know uh the shot metrics the possession metrics all that fancy stuff not only that just take a look at their roster Everything appears to be in their favor. Plus, they added Alex Newhook. Wanted to shout him out too? Uh, similarly to how Montreal's added Cole Caulfield, Alex Newhook has been great. The new third line center in Colorado. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a great playoff. I don't see why he wouldn't. There's Colorado over Vegas. So we both have Colorado winning the Western Division and going to the Conference Finals. How about the North, where we both have Toronto versus Edmonton?
1: Yeah, this one I could uh, can make it with my eyes closed. Uh, Toronto. And uh, for just the fact that their roster's better uh, across the board, except for uh, their first line, basically, and even then, you know, Matthews been MVP caliber uh, kind of season, and yeah, just the fact that it seems like all season, you know, talk about set pat, uh, the you know their uh, season series, Toronto's had Edmonton's number all year, uh, and it seems that they've kind of found a way to, you know, at least slow down McDavid a bit, and so if McDavid slowed down the Oilers are screwed, um, even against. Winnipeg which I don't anticipate but if the Jets do find a way like there's nobody there on the team um, so but yeah Toronto seems to have figured it out against the Oilers in particular but just in general they're a better team so uh, Toronto and I would take them in like six again
0: I'm picking the Oilers I'm picking the Oilers against the
1: oh Leafs oh my god boom
0: i Holy was so excited shit. on this one what too is this? I'm, I'm picking the Oilers against the Leafs I'm picking the Oilers alright first of all um, Mike Smith if I had to guess, I don't see him slowing down. I think he maintains this level uh, because all season he's shown, there's, he hasn't really shown any signs of slip up. So I'm not really worried about the Oilers' goal setting. Uh, unless, of course, Mike Smith gets injured, but there's no sense in predicting injuries. Uh, Mick David, up here, he's just he's totally on another level, and he's 100% dialed in. I think this is their year that they make a deep run, the Oilers. Uh, and I think that's the reason why. Uh, just... Just vibes, you know. I know, you know. You compare like the bottom sixes. Toronto's is clearly superior. Uh, even honestly, you you compare like uh, even that that second line: Tavares, Nylander, and probably Nick Foligno uh, versus Drysaitel, Nugent-Hopkins, and Yamamoto. Is it comparable? Yeah, I'd probably still give the Oilers the edge there. But McDavid uh, and literally whoever else, even up against Matthews and Marner, I know exactly who I'm picking. And I honestly, McDavid. Is just he's gotten better and better as the season has gone on. I wouldn't be surprised if that trend continues and he scores like at an even higher clip in the playoffs, especially considering that he's, you know, playing the terrible defensively Jets in round one. But if he, you know, opens the playoffs with like a seven point game, everyone's gonna be like, look out. And I think they would be absolutely right too. So I'm putting the Oilers to end up in the conference final.
1: Man, that's a hot take, bro. Just that team sucks so bad when he's not on the ice, it's not even close. Uh, When he's not on the ice, the Oilers are miserable. Miserable in uh, all the analytics. Uh, Whether it's chances or goals or whatever you want to call it. Um, Anyways, I think that Toronto takes advantage of that big time. Stats are for nerds. uh, Watch the games. All right, Fair enough. Okay, all right. Off to the East. Um, So, this one we actually have different matchups, right? So, I have the uh, Bruins and the Isles and you have the uh, Bruins and the Pens. Uh, But uh, I think uh, I'm taking the Bruins here. And I'm taking them in six. I like six. Six is a nice number for the Second round. And uh, because I think that the Bruins are flat out better. And you can work your voodoo New York against the Penguins. But uh, Boston's a tier above the way they've been playing recently. And so, uh, yeah, pretty pretty set in that one. Boston, winner of the East. Uh
0: Yeah, my Pittsburgh-Boston round two matchup, I am picking the Penguins. I think they're going to make it wow. to round two this year. Jeez. Yeah, I'm kind of... Yeah, I'm kind of surprising you with a couple of these second round picks. I don't think that one's as much as a surprise. I don't think that's even close to as big of a surprise as my Edmonton pick. Pittsburgh this year, no, especially especially the way they've been trending over the past like month and a half or so, it feels like they've really kicked it up a notch. Uh, it does remind me a lot of the trajectory of their season in the years they've won the Stanley Cup, um, where like 20, the 15-16, for example, right after they got Phil Kessel, they started off slow. Uh, they fired their coach in, like, December. They didn't fire their coach this year. But they really found a new gear. They found combinations that work. Uh, I think they made, like, a, a deadline acquisition or something. Did they acquire, like, Haglin in the middle of the season, I think? And it kind of reminds me of the Jeff Carter edition that's worked out so well already. And they've got, you know, a uh, Gensel Crosby rush, that, that absolutely killer top line. And similarly to what we were saying with Florida, they've really found combinations that work. Even the, even the defense, Cody Ceci and Michael Matheson, who knew that all of a sudden... Uh, players that have absolutely terrible metrics in uh, top pair minutes, when you put them on the bottom pair, aren't actually so bad anymore. Maybe we should have seen that coming. And I, for one, have full faith in uh, in Tristan Jari. So I, I did definitely think about this one a little bit because Boston has been on the up and up. But ultimately, uh, ultimately, I decided that uh, I think Pittsburgh is going to have a deep run.
1: All right. That's interesting. I think, you know, yeah, if Malkin was clicking, I, if he was having a great season, I would maybe... Think about it a bit harder, but uh, he hasn't. He's been uh, all right, and so and you know you take that into account, and just Boston's been so like you talk about oh good recent vibes from Pittsburgh. I mean, what the hell? What the, what kind of vibes are you getting from Boston? Um, also, very that, good I mean, recent vibes. Yeah, exactly. That's what and It was a tough choice. Better. Okay, all right, fair enough. Okay, so and then we have the uh, the freaking uh, Central, and so yeah, here again we have different matchups. Carolina, Tampa for me. Carolina Florida for you. Uh, I'm taking Carolina here. Uh I just, you know, those question marks that I cited uh in, you know, in the in the first round series between Tampa and Florida, I think they still remain for uh against Carolina and I think Carolina has the goaltending uh to like at least somewhat compare to uh to Vasilevsky, and their defense is better, especially the way Hedman's been playing and their forwards are comparable. Uh especially the way you know like i love carolina's top line there and so uh, i'm taking carolina i'm taking it seven
0: all right um so we we talked a lot about how like you know hockey is so random and like the underdogs win more than you'd expect them to which it feels like has been happening more and more in recent years especially like 2019 all the one seeds lost their their first round matchups it was like wow does it like does the plan like what are they even telling us Or Are we just basically coin flipping uh, but this year, you know, when we were looking at the first round, it was like, wow, all these 1-4 matchups really seem lopsided, except maybe Pittsburgh Islanders is a little closer. I'm sure you would say so since you picked the Islanders. But like, wow, none of these underdogs are really that appealing to me, except like a couple of the 2-3s are kind of close. And so I've mostly reserved my flashy underdog picks for the second round and beyond, because I'm picking the Florida Panthers again over the oh Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and you know what? God. I'm very happy. I feel like so many Florida Panthers because we know they're not like the biggest market team. Of course, they don't get many national eyes on them. I think this playoff is going to be a real coming out party for a lot of players. Not just like Barkov and Huberdo, who are already star players who are now going to get to be uh, in the playoffs for the first time in five years, but other guys like Duclair and Sam Bennett and Carter Verhage and Mackenzie Weger and uh, who Owen Tippett. There we go. Another one of my favorites. Uh, I think they're they're really gonna you know I think they're really gonna show their stuff because this is a great roster and you know Carolina versus Florida let's well, take when we look at the defense obviously on paper it's in Carolina's favor we look at the forwards I honestly think it's much closer than many people would give it credit for uh, we look at the goaltending uh, Mrazek Nedeljkovic whoever it is uh, if they're up against you know one of Spencer Knight. Probably Spencer Knight. I Honestly, I predict that Spencer Knight's going to be the guy in the playoffs for Florida. I think it's more or less a wash. So, I what? guess really what I'm saying. Spencer Knight versus, like, Nadeljkovic? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, yeah Spencer, Knight's, Spencer Knight's amazing. Spencer Knight is absolutely golden. Uh, yeah, Florida's my pick over the Hurricanes. Nothing against the Hurricanes at all. I think they're a real contender. But I was just... Some reason something clicked in my mind. I was like, you know, who's my Cinderella pick this year? The Panthers. They're making it to round three, and they will defeat anyone who stands in their way. I'm just, I'm getting great vibes coming from uh, from down south.
1: That's fair. You know, look, like I picked against the Panthers in the first round, but I think any of those three teams there, like Florida, Carolina, Tampa. Honestly, I think they're about the same. Uh, like they're like it's. I don't think much separates them at all. You notice I put seven games for both of those series. Uh, you know, Carolina, Tampa, and Tampa, Florida. And yeah, I mean, Florida fucking rocks, man. Uh, across the board, if they can get that goaltending straightened out, um, that's a stacked team. That is a stacked team, based especially based on how their top nine has been clicking. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if Florida beat uh, two teams to make it as the, uh, what is it, the, the central winner.
0: Yeah, it's not Yeah, it's not the conference finals this year. It's just like the, the Stanley Cup semifinal. Um, so wait, do you have like the NHL league standings pulled up to see what your matchups would be? Cause I know what mine would be because I made those picks yeah. this morning. Yeah, um, I made the picks too. So actually, I have uh, my matchups here. All right. Actually, I, I, to be honest, I don't actually remember the specificities of it. So why don't you go ahead?
1: All right. So, uh, yeah, the one four matchup in this case would be uh, Colorado and Boston. And, uh, I'm taking Colorado at six. I just think, you know, Boston's a great team. But I think Colorado, they've got a top six to uh, compare, you know, compare with, uh, you know, Boston's top six there. That's like two juggernauts going head to head. And aside from that, I think the goaltending, if Gubauer can figure it out, I think I give Boston a slight edge. But then the defense is so lopsided, I think. Well, not so lopsided, but I think it is a significant win for uh, Colorado there. Uh, you know, Greslick and McAvoy are, are, have been great. But I think, you know, you're talking about freaking Kale McCarr here with uh you know devon taves and sam gerard and i think especially you know you're talking about the the bottom four um especially with gerard on that second pairing i just think it takes the cake for uh, colorado um mm-hmm. i think Boston puts up a good fight but i think colorado is just uh a tier above between them so i'm taking colorado
0: yeah and... i got colorado oh yeah you can do your other series
1: okay i'll do my other series i have a carolina and toronto in the other one and uh I'm taking Carolina. I'm taking Carolina. A, I couldn't be bothered to put the freaking Leafs in the cup final. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Uh, And also, uh, I just think, uh, you know, I think this is where the Leafs lose. You know, I think they're destined to lose. And uh, yeah, destined to lose in the third round this year. And uh, I think Carolina is uh, very well built. I think they take the edge in the goaltending. I really like Carolina's goaltending. You know, I think we look at tandems have won in the past. I think they have by far the best. Well, maybe not, you know, I think Boston's is comparable, but I think Carolina does have the best goaltending tandem uh, based on what we've seen from Razik and the Dalekovic has been so good um, down the stretch. And so uh, I really like what they've got there. And then, you know, the rest of the roster is both great, fantastic as well. So uh, Carolina, and I'm taking them at six as well.
0: All right. My conference finals matchups, we got Colorado against the Oilers. Sadly, I think uh, McDavid's Cinderella run comes to an end here. Uh, for all the reasons that we, both of us have stated above, not above before you get what I'm saying about the avalanche, how dominant they've been on the ice and how great they look on paper. Uh, and really the only thing is oh, if Grubauer falters a bit, that's the only concern there really is to have with the avalanche and Pittsburgh versus Florida. Uh, I, I decided to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins here. I think Florida and Edmonton what? are both kind of, What? Wait, what do you mean? What? You're surprised I didn't have the Panthers in the in the Stanley Cup final?
1: Yes, I am. I think Panthers are the better team between the two.
0: I no, I think Go ahead. wow, so you were surprised with my Florida over Tampa and Florida over Carolina, but not my uh Pittsburgh over Florida. Huh. Alright. Exactly I mean, right. I mean I mean Exactly right. I mean also with my Pittsburgh over Florida. Anyway. Uh so I do have Pittsburgh versus Colorado in the Stanley Cup final, which obviously the big storyline, if this were to happen, would be all oh, the Cole Harbor friendship, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. Um, to be totally honest, I'm kind of hoping that we end up with a Stanley Cup final matchup of two teams that otherwise couldn't have met, like two teams that are in the same conference. Like if we got, um, well, it wouldn't be Colorado against anyone unless by some miracle, like, I don't know. I guess, like, it could end up Colorado-Edmonton or Colorado-Nashville by, like, a miracle, Uh, but I think it would more likely be two teams in the East. Like, if we ended up with, like, a Pittsburgh-Tampa Cup final, I'm pretty sure that could feasibly happen. Uh, But that's not my prediction. My prediction is Colorado-Pittsburgh, this really feels, as I said before, uh, very reflective of years where Pittsburgh has recently won the Stanley Cup. On the other hand, though, the Avalanche. We spent so much time and by looking at so many metrics, that say, "Wow, look, Colorado! There kind of is a gap between how well they've been performing and everyone else." And so I'm thinking, going back and forth, I decided to go with the Avalanche as my my Stanley Cup winner. I know picking the Presidents Trophy winner isn't necessarily you know the, uh, the 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 flashiest Stanley Cup. Did Tampa win the Presidents Trophy last year and also the Stanley Cup? I I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, either way though, uh, it is you know a somewhat boring pick, but I feel like I've made enough interesting other picks in the bracket, like Edmonton and Florida, to uh to make up for it.
1: Yeah. So Boston won the Presidents Trophy last year, I believe. Um, right, right, right. They finished ahead of the Lightning, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm taking the Avalanche over the, the 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 Hurricanes. I think uh, I think this would be fantastic. First of all, if it was Avalanche Hurricanes, I mean, two wonderfully constructed teams head to toe, going at it. I think it would be so exciting. Um, but I think Colorado is just a tier above. Uh, they're just, they have superstars on offense and defense and many superstars at that. Uh, and, you know, they're goaltending. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know how it's going to hold up. That's the big question mark. And I'm, oh man, I can't get over it. I can't get over it. Why didn't Joe Sackett get somebody? For the love of God. Why Devin Dubnik of all the freaking people you could acquire? <laughs> uh, but the, anyways, we're moving, that, that's in the past now. Uh, but, uh, it's just, yeah, it just completely started with superstars, this, this Colorado team. And, uh, yeah, I'm taking them to win and, uh, back to the, uh, you know, this whole Pittsburgh thing. I can't believe you had them in the cup final. That's crazy to me. Um, you know, like they've had a nice yeah, little stretch, but I just don't, I don't see that, you know, like the roster. I think Boston's a, a clearly a better team in that division. Um, and then you look at, you compare it to the other, you know, division winners. I think, uh, I just think they're just not as good. I just don't think there's good, I think, you know, I think any of the three teams in the Central, Carolina, Tampa, or uh, Carolina, Tampa, or Florida, beats Pittsburgh, I think they're out and out better, and so uh, I'm surprised, but uh, I mean, that's what brackets for, what the hell, it's all random anyways, right, so, uh, alrighty, yeah, uh, yeah time back. will
0: tell that I'm correct and you were incorrect, uh, I suppose, anyway, yeah, so, I guess our upcoming podcasting schedule will kind of play it by ear. I don't think we're going to do one like two days from now on Sunday. I also don't think we're going to wait like nine days till the Sunday after. Um, Maybe there's a chance we'll do kind of similar to the bubble and like do one right after game one Habs Leafs. We'll talk about it. Uh, but there's we're definitely, you know, going to have more podcasts throughout the playoffs. So not to worry, uh, but no trivia today. Just going to be a uh, playoff preview episode with some other stuff that we talked about at the beginning. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Do you have any final thoughts, Taisei?
1: No, I don't. I just want to mention we do have some money on the line here, the both of us. Uh, we've entered oh, a yes. bracket pool. Uh, so watch out for me spending my new cash in a few weeks when I win the whole goddamn thing.
0: Uh, yeah, with, with about with about 10 people, uh, some of which we know, some of which we don't. But through a mutual friend, and uh, put down a little bit of cash on our brackets, and uh, now you know my picks. So please don't steal them, because that's plagiarism. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter, etc., etc., etc.